Who's your favorite person in the New Testament other than Jesus? I know some consider St. Peter especially appealing, as both his exuberance and his impetuousness ring true for many people. But have you ever found a Bible character appealing who you felt was not like you? I have. And I'll tell you who it is coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life and this hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. Our top-notch spiritual directors join us every day specifically to help you out in living your life of faith today. I'm Patrick Conley. The New Testament figure who I have always been drawn to, although I don't think he's at all like me, is St. John the Baptist. He and I differ in so many ways, at least in my perception of him. I mean, he seems pretty rough and tumble. I tend to be more mild-mannered. He wore camel's hair and ate locusts. I'm more partial to cotton and chicken. He preaches with admonition and even accusation. Well, when I teach, I lean in the direction of gentle persuasion. And to be honest, I can't quite envision John at an evening get-together with the guys, one of the things I really enjoy. As different as he is from me, though, I'm still drawn to him. I can't wait, please God, to meet him. And one of the things about him that has been captivating me, particularly this Advent, is his humility. Yeah, his humility. Now, I usually think of humble people as being quiet and perhaps a bit withdrawn. In John's personality and preaching, his calling, he may not strike you as a paragon of humility, but I think he is. Our gospel lesson this last Sunday, when John freely and openly admits to being not the Christ, not Elijah, not the prophet, and certainly not the one who is coming after him, to say nothing of his famous quip in reference to Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. I think his humility is laudable and inspiring. And that that's what makes him one of the many great examples of humility, which is our topic for the show today. How does cultivating humility in your life help you draw nearer to the Lord, especially in the season where we are focused in on Christ drawing nearer to us? Joining us to guide our thoughts on the virtue of humility is our spiritual director for today, Father Carter Griffin. Father Griffin is the rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C. Greetings, Father. Thanks for joining us again. Greetings to you, Patrick. Good to be back. Thank you. It's good to have you with us, as always. Well, let's start with defining our terms, Father. When we're talking about humility, how would you define humility? What is humility all about? So humility is a virtue which helps us um, keep a truthful uh, and well-ordered view of ourselves, right? It, it, it restrains, uh, the, the classical definition is it restrains the undue desire for greatness. Um, and But on the positive side, maybe to say humility helps us keep a well-ordered love for ourselves, that we that we recognize the truth about ourselves, about others, about God. Um, Aquinas calls it the first act of right reason, because it's the mm. truth about ourselves. And, 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 and it's the, without that, it's very hard to imagine building um, an edifice of truth within us if we don't even understand ourselves, and especially ourselves in relation to God. So it's kind of that sense of, of truthfulness about ourselves and a properly ordered self-love. Okay, I like that. And that helps to start to clarify even the distinction between true humility and, as we oftentimes heard called, false humility. 
And so it's not necessarily a uh, it's it's not a looking down on oneself. It's not a, it's not kind of subjecting oneself to undue scrutiny anyway or undue uh, you know denigration in that sense. But it is uh, it's also recognizing that yeah these these things are true about myself. Yeah, I think that's right, and I and probably will get into some of like how how to be humble when you are in fact good at something. How are you? How are you humble right. about when you're a good tennis player? How are you humble about your being <laughs> you're you're playing tennis? So <laughs> it's uh, which I'm not. So that's that I, that's an easy one. Um, okay. But but the uh, yes, I, it's certainly not speaking badly about ourselves. It's and, and, you know which by the way sometimes can be actually a kind of pride, right? Where you you're almost like inviting someone to contradict you or to think us humble or something like that. Huh. Um, but there's also a sense in which we are, um, we're not giving God due glory when we don't acknowledge the gifts that God has given us, right? And yeah. if, if, uh, if you give a, a beautiful watch to a friend and, and someone else says, hey, what a nice watch. And you're like, oh, this old thing, you know, <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that was my gift to you. That was, you know, so I can imagine, you know, it, there's also a, a sense in which pr- true humility acknowledging what we've been given is is also a way of glorifying is a way of glorifying God and false humility is not so yeah I think right. it's it's helpful to make that distinction yeah well that's very good and I appreciate that you answered my question before I asked it about if you are a good tennis player there Father I, <laughs> I appreciate that yeah yeah I enjoy tennis but I would not call myself a good tennis player so that we'll just leave it at that well if there's there's so many examples of course from the scriptures especially around this time of year I mean as we look at Saint John the Baptist as we look at well I'm thinking of Our Lady as well of course and um it's we talk about the specifically the annunciation the magnificat that are part and parcel to this advent season but still at the same time she is such an example of humility to us maybe just give, give us a little bit of an example or help us understand better our lady's humility sure well um of course our, it's the it's the if if People don't know any other Latin from the New Testament. They know fiat, you know, fiat, let it be done to me according to thy word. And and that acknowledgement of her own, she called herself the handmaid of the Lord. He, she acknowledged who she was before God. She acknowledged his wisdom and his authority over her, knowing and trusting that that was also best for her. So, um, and, and what, what I love about uh, the Annunciation in particular is because in her humility, it's sort of it's it's this undoing of the pride of Adam and Eve, right? So that mm. so the new Eve and the new Adam, it all begins with this beautiful act of humility, just as kind of the collapse of everything began with an act of pride. Um, and so this, and 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 even seeing how from her act of humility and humbly receiving what the Lord wanted to do in her life, um, uh, also led to. You know, and, and and flowed from really the the the, the humility of the incarnation, which is obviously in parcel. I mean, it's really the Annunciation is also the feast of the incarnation in a certain sense. Right. And so, just being able to see her beautiful childlike simplicity, her trust, her veneration, her adoration of the Lord, is a great example to us of of humility for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Now, one of the things that arises as I think about our Blessed Mother, and then the. The Annunciation, particularly the Archangel Gabriel coming to her in Nazareth and everything. And I don't know that she would have been in this, you know, in in sort of this uh, exalted circumstances, but rather she probably found herself in relatively humble circumstances, even from the very beginning. Um, And so and certainly our Lord, um, who who humbled himself from the limitless splendors of heaven to uh, to take on a human form and human nature and that sort of thing. So what can we learn about, I mean, some of us, 
I'm sure, find ourselves in rather humble circumstances, our living circumstances presently. But others, maybe one of the things that's harder is that, especially with the affluence that is so prevalent in the United States today, that we find ourselves not necessarily in what we would consider humble circumstances. So can we still be humble in those? And if so, how? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think our Lord loves uh, the outward signs of humility as well as the inward, because the outward help us to live the inward, right? So right. it's not it's not that just because we live in humble exterior circumstances we're necess- necessarily going to be humble, but it certainly helps. It, it can help us if we if we use it properly. Whereas if we live in in opulence and in splendor, it's going to be much harder. It's not impossible, but it's going to be much harder for us to live true interior humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there. I think what you say is very true. There needs to be this kind of internal um, correction, corrective, and and maybe a sense of distrust of self. Even you know, like amidst all of this, because even even a very modest or middle or even lower middle class, you know, income today is still you know it is opulence compared to people just a couple hundred years ago, perhaps. And so, yeah. no knowing that we live in these circumstances, we have to then kind of I think correct intentionally correct, uh, living in ways that we can that we can bring more simplicity into our lives. And above all, having that real examination to see whether we have become rich, you know, in the sense of attached to the things around us. And, and of course, that's a much larger and different conversation. But I, I do think it's it, the main point that I think you make, which is very good, which is that we have to be intentional about making sure that our internal humility is, is fostered and not hindered by our external circumstances. Well put, Father. Our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin, rector of St. John Paul II Seminary in Washington, D.C., talking about humility, especially in this time of year of Advent and the upcoming Christmas celebration, which is less than a week away now. And But uh, there again, when we tend to celebrate with uh, a lot of gift-giving, a lot of uh, maybe overspending uh, around this time of year, it can be. Um, and, and yet, uh, again, our Lord from that great Christ hymn from Philippians chapter 2, Father, I'm thinking about that, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather he humbled himself. Maybe some insights there, too, about how how just an amazing example of humility that in and of itself is, the incarnation is in and of itself. Yeah, I think it's it's an example, but even before it's an example, I think it's a, it's a cause of the redemption. I mean, it's one of the ways that God willed uh, for the undoing of the first Adam's sin, right, is that the second Adam would come in this very explicit uh, kenosis, the emptying of himself and taking on a human, no matter how perfect that human nature was, it was still a human nature and finite and therefore infinitely, vastly different from from his, uh, from his, divine, his, his divine nature. And so knowing that there's an emptying of himself and that begins the undoing, you know, of the, you know, the, the undoing of the of the nest of sins that have been keeping us trapped, you know, and yeah. and and that begins the unwinding of that and, and freeing us. Um, so I think that, and then as well as you know, showing that for us to be to be to receive this redemption, to engage in this redemption, we too have to become humble. And so in that sense, it's also an example, as you say. Uh, yeah. And he shows us even in his human nature with the, he would say things in his uh, in his earthly sojourn, you know, that you know it's not my will but thine be done. I mean, he showed his own humility with his Father uh, in heaven as a way of, of showing us how to live ourselves. Yeah. And you already mentioned, Father, the, the sin of pride of Adam and Eve in the, in the original sin, the first sin and of, our par- of our first parents. And even in that, it seems like we're already starting to see how pride rears its ugly head and how it continues to do so today. There is this, this reaching out beyond ourselves. of it, So it's an in, uh, inappropriate uh, 
disordered view of self. Is that is that really a definition of pride then? I think it is. You know, it's a it's sort of an undue attachment to an excellence, um, and it's a way of seeing ourselves in comparison with others, or in comparison with God, or just our, our how we see ourselves in a way that is has an undue attachment to excellence, um, mm-hmm. undue and untrue. I would say, right, because there are certain excellences which are true, which we should acknowledge, as we talked about before, but it's this undue attachment to them and exaggeration of them that makes mm-hmm. for pride. And maybe that's one of the first uh, first kind of antidotes is, I mean, true humility is, as you've already defined for us, it's it's an understanding of who we are and who we aren't, but specifically through this in, in relationship to God. And and now let's let's be true and honest here, too, that we are created in God's image and likeness, and that in and of itself is a huge gift to us. And so what does the acknowledgement of something like that do for the sake of our own humility? Yeah, it's great. It's a great point because you know there are we have been endowed. We're we're children of the of, of the father, children of the king, right? And, right, and right. You're, you're asking princes and princesses to be <laughs> to be humble and as they walk through the palace, and right, and yet yeah. that's exactly what we're that's exactly what we're called to be, right? And acknowledging that all of that is a is a gift, right? Everything is something that we haven't earned or deserved any of it any more than a prince has earned, you know, his being able to. Be, he was just born into that family. He could have been born into the paupers uh-huh. next door. But that sense of like this is radically undeserved and yet and yet and yet truly ours, right? It, and and that's it's holding on to that in a sense that that holy tension, recognizing that it that it's not ours. It it uh, it wasn't our, of our making. It's not we haven't earned it. Um, and yet at the same time we truly are sons and daughters of the King. And I think that is truth. And truth is always humble. Right? So that that recognition of it is actually a recognition. Once we see that we are made image and likeness of God and adopted in sanctifying grace into His family, uh, I mean. If anything, that I think prompts much greater humility because like, wow, I mean, I certainly don't deserve the, all, all the riches that I've been given. Yeah, and radically undeserved. I love that. I'm going to maybe hang that on my wall. That's uh, that's True. another thing to be. Yeah, it is. It's something to be reminded of every moment of every day, yeah, how radically yeah. undeserved it is. And yet at the same time, uh, yeah, um, how, what, a, what a great gift it is and how, how it says more. Maybe it says more about God than about us, does it not? Yeah. And, and and not only is it, yeah, I think it does. And and in fact, thank God it's undeserved. Because imagine yes. if we had to like, we had to earn, <laughs> like, yeah. I know I couldn't, you know, and so that, that recognition <laughs> is like, if it's not going to be given to us, we don't get it, you know. And, and so the fact that we have a father who wants to bestow all of these riches upon us, including our own, our own talents and our own, uh, you know, the, the, the skills that we, that we have in life, I mean, all the things we might become proud about, all of them can be opportunities actually to grow in humility when we realize how much we've been given. Okay. All right. I like where you're going with that one then, Father. All these things that we might become proud about are opportunities, maybe invitations for us to grow in humility. Can you give us just maybe an example or an analogy that would help us flesh that out a little bit more? Sure. I mean, I think to take something in the spiritual realm, you know, somebody who has been given a lot of consolations in prayer, you know, okay. there can be this kind of bizarre you know, way of becoming proud about that, you know, sort of looking down on others and, you know, thinking that you're so so much holier in spirit, as opposed to saying like, wow, God has been so good to me. You know, he's been, so that, that becomes an opportunity to grow in, to grow in humility. If somebody has a gift or maybe somebody's very charismatic, you know, or somebody has a gift for an athletic gift or something like that, you know, to be able to, to see this as not, it's like, wow, this is what, a beautiful opportunity to glorify God. You know, it's the, forget the name of the Scottish runner, you know, in Chariots of Fire, you know, you know, when I run, you know, that God is, is glorified through his running, right. you know, and he does it to delight God. 
So these are all opportunities to grow in humility, or if we choose a different path to grow in kind of pride and, and vainglory and comparisons and all the rest. And, and that's a choice that we all have. It's a real yeah. choice. Yeah, it's a good point. And St. Paul's words of, you know, what do you have that you have not received is ringing in my ears, right? And so uh, grateful recipients of all God's goodness to us. Any goodness that comes to us comes to us through our loving Heavenly Father. We're talking about humility today with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. And if you are struggling with pride, maybe there are specific places in your life that you do and you have questions about how you can grow in humility, give us a call. Join the conversation on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, that number is 888-914-9149. Our email address is relevantradio.com. We've got lots more of the conversation coming up right after this short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Does that take you back? It does me uh, to my boyhood watching the Peanuts Christmas special. Another great tradition that I have in my own life is uh, going through Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol each and every year. This year, I'm doing it with the help of the Merry Beggars, who are giving me one little snippet from taking me through the entire story, true to the original text, each day in this audio advent calendar featuring world-class radio actors, top-notch theater of the mind audio Check it out at adventwithscrooge.com. You can sign up and you can even catch up on the Relevant Radio app. You can find it all there, listed there, and you can catch up on Scrooge and all of his conversion that he undergoes as well. Maybe moving from a place of pride to a place of humility. Humility is our, is our topic today here on The Inner Life. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin from Washington, D.C., uh, Father, I tell you what, let's uh, take a phone call. We've got Elliot, who's calling in from Silicon Valley, California. Elliot, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you for having me. And let me just say, I'm a really humble guy. I'm totally, totally humble. In fact, I am so humble that I cannot believe that the creator of the universe would want a personal relationship with me. I'm no different from a million other people. I'm no different from a hundred million other people. So why would God, why would the person who created the universe want to have anything to do with somebody like me? Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Elliot. I think it's, it's, a, it's a totally valid question. Um, and, and there's a humility which has a, one of the, we talked about one kind of false humility, which is sort of like almost like eliciting fishing for compliments or, or denigrating the gifts that God has given us. But there's another kind of false humility, which is one that sees us as so little as um, it, to not be poss- it is not possible to do great things, right? There, there's a humility which is in contrast to magnanimity. Uh, magnanimity is another virtue, also a Christian virtue, which is giving us this heart to do great things, and especially to do great things for God. But part of that is a recognition of the greatness to which we have been called, which is not in any way contrary to our humility, because that greatness is itself a gift from God. 
So God calls us and is in that relationship that he has to us. And you could say, well, why would he want a relationship? I mean, that's God's, God's goodness and his, the overflowing bounty of his, of, his, uh, of, his, uh, of his holiness, right? That is, and his goodness to us, his love for us. That's one of the great scandals, you know, the kind of the paradoxes of Christianity that he actually takes such an interest in us. Uh, but he does. And that's not a cause of, of sadness. That's a cause of rejoicing. But the fact that he does also means that, that we are then called to do great things, right? And, mm-hmm. to, and to live holy lives, to become saints, uh, and to do his will here on earth. And so I don't think there's any contradiction between humility and kind of the magnanimity, which would be the opposite of the pusillanimity, which is the smallness of heart, which leads us in this false humility to think, oh, you know, I'm not worth anything, and, and I, I'm not really called to this deep relationship with God or even to do great things to become a saint. But I think it's a very valid question and, and one that needs to be addressed. Valid question and important distinction, I think, too. Elliot, thanks for the call and uh, a good thought to get us rolling, too, in, in, this, uh, in this portion of the show as we're talking about humility here on the show. So, again, if you have questions about humility, observations about humility, if there are ways that you have battled pride and emerged victorious thanks to the grace of God, give us a call and tell us what that's been about. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Yeah, and Father, I guess along those same lines, I think I, I, I do run into that from time to time, perhaps even in my own life, if I'm honest with myself, that there's a, there's a place where, um, yeah, I, I am so overwhelmed with the generosity, the goodness of God toward me personally, that, uh, that it seems, I mean, it, it seems almost like we're tempted or I'm tempted to think it can't be. I mean, the, mm. just that, it, it, you know, and I know my own place in the universe and it just is, you know, dust speck in the in the grand history and uh, cosmos, et cetera, et cetera. And yet there might be a temptation then to to turn away from it and to not engage with that. And that's a problem. That's that's a pusillanimity, I guess, is what you said. I think so. And and I think it, perhaps, and now we're, of course, now in speculative ground, but I mean, maybe one of the reasons why God wanted to have this very graphic demonstration of our redemption through the passion of our Lord and his death, when of course God have, could have redeemed us in any way he wanted, but perhaps one of the reasons why was to elicit from us this compassion and saying, oh my goodness, like this is what this is what I am worth. This is what he has done. He has suffered this for me. And that can kind of snap us out of what I think is a kind of a false intellectualism of just sort of saying like, wait a minute, God is infinite. I'm finite. What am I worth? But when you actually are engaged in your whole person, you know, your intellect, your will, and your passions, as you gaze upon our Lord and you see uh, his, his own self-gift to us, that can elicit from us this response of love, which is what he's looking for. He's looking yeah. for our love. It's in a sense, if, without I don't mean to say maybe too bold, but it's the one thing God lacks, right? He, he, he made us and he wants us to respond freely to him. And that's perhaps part of the reason. And without any of that, 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 that what I think is a kind of a demonic temptation to turn away from redemption in the name of humility. Yeah. Right? Which is, I th- yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point and one that uh, probably needs a little bit more fleshing out. For, well, for instance, you, you mentioned at the top of the show that humility is a virtue and virtues are, are habits. They're habits that we can mm-hmm. practice and that sort of thing. I'm assuming then, based on what we were just talking about, that one of the great ways of, of becoming more humble is entering into prayer. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I, th- I think prayer is one of those... Um, well, it's a test of humility, but it's also a kind of a, a, a fertile ground in which humility can grow. Um, when, we, when we pray, we enter into that dialogue with our Lord, that back and forth, 
um, it's uh, with well, first of all, without humility, that can't happen, right? Because we have to recognize who we are in relation to, uh, relationship to God. We're not we're not equals with Him, but at the same time, we are being invited into this relationship. There's truth in that. There's humility in that. But in that dialogue as well, you know, we are encouraged and lifted up um, by the Lord and and enabled to live a true humility, which is one that recognizes and rejoices in our own being a son and being a daughter of God. And and that's always this path to deeper humility, a deeper truthfulness about ourselves, because that's who we are. And that's who God has called us to be. I think as well, you know, and this is, there's a humility too in, in, in acknowledging our sinfulness and our dialogue with God. And, you know, part of prayer is always going to be asking for, for for forgiveness and act, you know contrition. It's the publican, sure. you know, who goes away justified and not the Pharisee. And then one other point that I would just make, and that is that all prayer is in a sense, you know, mendicant, and it, it all of it is. We always have to beg for the grace to pray itself, right? We we sometimes think that well, I'm I'm an adult Christian. I'm not just going to ask for things. That's what little children do with their parents. What we don't recognize is that the very grace to pray is itself a grace that we are dependent and completely, utterly dependent on, on God for. So when we're wow. praying, we already are experiencing, you know, we're already experiencing the effects of grace in our lives. You know, anyone who says, Abba, Father, right? I mean, already we can see that it is our, our soul, it, it is, is the Holy Spirit, right, teaching our, our own spirit how to live as children of God. So that sense of a humility enters it immediately. All, all prayer is supplication in that sense, because the yeah. grace of prayer itself. So I think that prayer is something that really is a kind of a, it's the testing ground, you know, and it, but it's, it, it is also the place where it grows so de- so quickly and so deeply. You know, as you're saying that, Father, I'm just, I'm kind of at this mindset that, you know, please God um, should, uh, should by his grace, I make it to see him face to face someday. I'm hoping that with the beatific vision comes this huge recognition of all the hidden places that God has been at work in my life. Because yeah. even like you were saying, um, if even the the very moment to pray, the very initiative to pray is not really my own, but it's the Lord's himself, then, then that means that God has been preempting me in pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a mistake. And sometimes because we talk about sola fide or sola scriptura or whatever, these different kind of errors about sort of the faith. But Sola gratia is definitely true. Like we as Catholics believe yes. that 100%. It is all Amen. grace, right? And and so knowing that is not a is not a reason to kind of check out or sort of think that we don't have an involvement. Knowing that it's actually a, a clarion call to respond to that to that kind of love, and that's that's what that's what we're made to do. That's our purpose in life, really. Amen to that. Let's go back to the phones. Caroline is calling in from Florida. Caroline, good afternoon to you, and welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Um, I am wondering how I can work better with parents. Um, I'm a college counselor. I help students get into college. And I chose not to go to Yale, even though I was accepted, because I did not think it would be good for my humility. And these parents are just constantly trying to get their kids into the most prestigious university. And these are, I I often work with, with Catholic parents, and I'm just, really struggling with how to help them to balance um, the way that these colleges are going to shape their kids. Yeah, Caroline, thanks for the call. Um, it's true, our circumstances can definitely, uh, can, can definitely make it harder to grow in humility. And I think it's so important, as much as we can, to form some of these virtues, and you know, not, not just humility, but all kinds of virtues, but 
in our children before the before they go off to college, so that as they encounter these other temptations, including the temptations to vainglory, the temptations to kind of think excessively, <laughs> excessive excellence about themselves, um, that they have already in place, you know, some of these capacities to respond in a virtuous way. Because those temptations will probably come no matter where they are. I mean, it can come in any circumstances in comparisons with others. And it's true, while some of the prestigious universities, you know, might foster that more than others, I suspect it's going to be something that, that we find almost everywhere. Having said that, I think that like what you're talking about is really encouraging the parents to make a decision like that, um, not just in terms of the standards of the world, but really as a believer, right, from a supernatural point of view. Um, and it might still mean that that they, I mean, we need Catholic kids to be going to these schools and, and you know, and, and being able to be loving in those environments as well. So it's not that, you know, a Catholic kid can't shouldn't go to Yale or something like that. But hmm. but to make that decision from the perspective of faith, and, and part of that decision, it seems to be, needs to be a realistic assessment of that child's virtue. Are they, is he or she capable of going to Yale and not having their head turned or, you know, whatever it might be. So looking at all the circumstances, but looking at it through the lens of faith, I think that's really maybe one way that, uh, depending on the circumstances that you, you know, the kind of conversations you can have with your parents, if, if it's a Catholic school or not or whatever, but 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 trying to trying to foster that I think in the parents and in their kids I think would be really helpful. I think uh, thank you, Caroline. Thank you for the call and and a good point. And Father, I appreciated your response specifically around that kind of evaluating it in terms of their you know their their current life of virtue. And maybe one of the things, I, what do you think about this in terms of not just where should I where should my son or daughter go to college, but uh, just in life in general is might uh, might a warning sign then be kind of unbridled ambition, I guess, is what I'm thinking of. It's if there's some sort of an earthly ambition rather than a heavenly one um, that yep. uh, that marks someone's life when making a choice like this, that that's a warning sign, it seems to me. I think that's a, yeah, that's a great point. It's like looking at, you know, what are these moments where I am tempted to make a decision based purely around earthly gain, right? Uh, growth in power, growth in money, growth in prestige, whatever. Those are not bad things. And in right. fact, we need Catholics who have who have money, who have power, who have prestige, and that's those are. But but we need the right Catholics to have that. The ones who are able to kind of take that, you know, and and sort of wear it lightly, uh, and be able to, you know, I think one of the key criteria of 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 of, of receiving these kind of gifts is can you still laugh at yourself, right? The the day uh, you can no longer laugh at yourself, yeah, I think you're going to take a good yeah. examination because see where you went wrong because we should all be able to sort of chuckle at ourselves and our own littleness, you know? Um, and so people are different though. Like some people, that stuff just not, doesn't phase them that much. They don't, their head doesn't really grow. You know, others seem to have that craving and, you know, it's Thomas, Thomas More, you know, with Richard Rich, you know, go be a teacher, you know, because, because mm. he knew that he had an ambition, which he would be a great teacher. Uh, but if he had gone into, you know, government service as it became, he would become very prideful. Not everyone has the same. Others would, Others shouldn't go into teaching because that, that would cause them to have certain, you know, so it, whatever it might be, we have to know ourselves. And that's really, I think, one of the upshots of this whole thing is that humility helps us to have a truthful self-evaluation so that we can make a good decision, you know, uh, you know to, to, to live in such a way that we can continue to grow in holiness and not away from God. And it looks like, like Caroline was just uh, indicating, too, is that sometimes these opportunities may come our way specifically as an invitation for a little self-evaluation, self-examination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and in fact we can see that's one of the one of the ways as we grow in humility when we realize 
gosh, I, I'm, I'm awfully attached to that thing, or gosh, I really want to accept that position, or I want to, you know, t- 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 accept this thing, which is going to give me more prestige and honor. You know, I think social media, I, I know everyone's, you know, d- there's a pile on, on social media today, but I, I think rightfully so. I mean, I think social media has done a real number on us, but one of the, you know, is that crazy like button, which yeah. um, has caused so many to just like cra- crave prestige, you know, and human mm-hmm. acclaim, human affirmation. And so, that, I mean, to to a point where it becomes addictive, almost like a like a like a serious hard, hard drug, um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's when we notice that in our lives, like, well, I am really doing this not because it's glorifying God or because it's good for my family or whatever. I'm doing this because it glorifies me. Like that's when we have to step back and say, well, you know, what am I? What are my choices here? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Talking about humility today on the program with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. If you have some observations or questions about humility in your own life, about maybe how you're struggling with a prideful situation, you want to ask some advice, give us a call. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. More of the show coming up right after this short break. Thanks for being with us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer for today, and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls. We're talking about humility on the program today. And uh, as you're getting ready for the Christmas spirit, just a quick reminder, uh, you can get into the Christmas spirit more and more with the Advent Carols of Comfort and Joy from Relevant Radio. It features the incredible talents of three young choirs, three humble Young choirs taking the musical journey to Christmas and even traveling through a brief history of carols with free daily videos. You can get all of these beautiful, joyful carols every day of Advent. You can sign up at relevantradio.com slash carols. That's relevantradio.com slash carols. Father Carter Griffin is our spiritual director today as we enter into this discussion, as we continue this discussion on humility. And Father, one of the things I got to say is that I have learned, as I'm sure many of our listeners have as well, that it's not always a pleasant thing to pray for deepening humility because the Lord can put us in these circumstances and, and have situations arrive in our li- arise in our life, which are, I guess, what I would call is humiliating. So um, how do we take advantage of those? I mean, is that is that really the way that the Lord has us grow in humility? And if so, how can we meet those uh, in a godly fashion? Sure. Well, I, yeah, I, I suspect sometimes they are, in fact, more directly willed by God, just because He knows that sometimes it's a difficult. It's like it's like it's like medicine that doesn't taste very good. Um, the children yeah. need to still take the medicine. <laughs> I think sometimes they're of our own making. Um, you know, we may be we may do it may be a result of sin, even you know that God clearly doesn't will the sin. Um, but I think whether it's something sort of expl- directly or indirectly permitted by God, all humiliations I think can help us to grow in humility. Um, uh, that, and, and by the way, just as a parenthesis, this doesn't necessarily mean that the cause of the humiliation shouldn't be corrected. We might be humiliated by a bully, 
that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you know that we shouldn't try to stop the bolt, right? So good point. That's, yep. that's obvious. But nonetheless, whatever the whatever the whatever the cause, um, I do think that humiliations have this opportunity. They're they're kind of like a yeah, they're like a stiff medicine or or, or, or hard surgery where it's a, it's kind of necessary. We need to pull a part of our pride out. And God knows that if we just go through the ordinary path, it may take a lot longer or may never happen at all. And so he permits something or occasionally even will something to kind of pull it out more quickly and pull it out more cleanly. And so I think whether we are maybe being corrected by a, by a teacher or a boss or a spouse or something, um, maybe we experience a failure you know, where we just don't do something well um, and we're humiliated by that. Maybe we just acknowledge and recognize our own limitations, maybe limitations of our skill, maybe limitations as we get older. All these little ways are, you know, and that last one, by the way, is a very important one because I think as we get older, sometimes pride can rear its ugly head again. You know, you have pride of youth yeah. and then sometimes you have the pride of old age, you know, and, and be, needing to be helped, needing, you know, I think all of these are opportunities to kind of swallow our pride and to grow and more than swallow our pride, really, to grow actively and beautifully closer to Christ by living this this humility, this, this humility uh, in the midst of that humiliation. So I do think that these are real opportunities for us, and they can be difficult, but sort of precious too. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good. I'm going to remember that. Difficult, but precious. That's a, that's a good way to keep in mind when humiliating <laughs> things happens to us. So thank you for that, Father. Let's go back to the phones now. Nancy is calling in from Minnesota. Nancy, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you, Father, for taking my call. Um, sure. I love this is a very, very important topic, I think. And I'd love your thoughts on the relationship between pride and gift giving. And the reason I'm asking is because I love giving gifts. And in the past, my husband has made me feel like that's a prideful thing on my behalf. He says things like, well, you know, this is your thing. This is not, it's not a, a family thing. It's not about others. It's more about me. You know, when I'm working on like Christmas preparations and that kind of thing. So I'd love your thoughts about that. Um, is your husband listening too? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I think that the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, I mean, there's maybe there's a point that he has, right. That sometimes there can be, there can be this desire for, you know, just kind of receiving the gratitude from others or even like responding, you know, a tit for tat, I give you a gift, you give me a gift, right? There can be, there can be all kinds of other motives that enter into gift giving. That, that's true. Um, but having said that, I also think that, first of all, there's, it's a beautiful instinct to want to give, right? I mean, clearly that's, that's a, I mean, that's in a, in a way, that's the definition of love, right? The self-gift, the, give of, the giving of self. And sometimes we use proxies, right? We don't give ourselves, firstly, we give ourselves by giving a gift to somebody. We show them that we love them. We show them that we honor them. And surely that in itself is, is never a bad thing. So it's just a question, I think, of maybe purifying motives, like, like anything else in life, right? We can do a good thing, but maybe for a bad reason, but usually it's not going to be that. Usually it's going to be a good thing for kind of a mixed reason, <laughs> right? Some of us and some of the good. And so it's really doing a good examination and seeing like, why am I doing it? And you may discover, Nancy, that you're like, no, actually, I, I just love making people happy. And, and even if it was anonymous, I would still do this. Even if they had no idea who, I would. So if you're able to kind of do a good examination and see what is the motives for me doing this, then I think you'll be able to, uh, to sort of see how much 
your husband's point may be true and how much it may not be true. And it may not be true at all. You know, that, and that, that's, we don't want to overcomplicate things either. So I think that's really the next step is to do that examination because, because they're, they're, you know, other motives can enter into even the best human activities. Mm. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it sounds like good advice, Nancy. Does that help? That makes a lot of sense. I really appreciate it. Mm. Happy to. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for the phone call and grateful that you were able to take the time to call in. And I think there's there's good applicable things in everything that you said there. But it seems to me, too, Father, that there is a relationship, um, as Nancy's kind of typifying there, that that as we grow in humility, uh, would you say that we, we kind of grow in generosity as well? I mean, is there a link between humility and generosity? I mean, I, I think so, because I, I and maybe there are many reasons for that, but at, at least one of them is as we realize that what we have, re- as we grow in humility, we receive that what we have received as gift, then there is this almost this instinct to give back, right? That we once we've received something, there is this desire to give of what we've received. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the person who is accustomed to seeing their life as one of constantly receiving from the Lord, it seems to me that there's almost this kind of instinct of justice even, you know, like, well, as I've, as I've received without, without, you know, without, cause I give without, I give without cost. And so I think that that, that understanding of generosity, I, I think as well, a grateful heart is a, is a mm. humble heart, yeah. right? It's that, that recognition that, gosh, I, I really don't deserve this. And, and even if what I don't deserve is the other person, that, that friend, that spouse, that child, like, I don't deserve you, you know? And, and, and that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful instinct to have. I think a very, very deeply Christian instinct to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just uh, part of that radical und- undeservingness of uh, that we have. Yeah, well, so yeah. wonderful, it's wonderful uh, illustrations with both gratitude and generosity there, tying in with humility. Father, what would you say? Um, what are the effects of living a humble life? I mean, uh, you know, a life that is that is lived with humility. What are what are some of the positive effects that we can look for in our lives? You know, I think one is is definitely joy. I, I think that there is a um, a sense in which those who are proud are are kind of um, they're they're full of themselves. You know, there's that sense that it's very hard. I think pride leads to boredom very easily. It's interesting. Boredom is a fairly new word in the English language, and it, it, what it sounds like you're you're bored. You know, you're full of you're full of something, and when we're full of ourselves, it's very hard to be kind of admired, to be to, to be surprised. You know, at common things that happen. Um, you know, there's a sense in when you read the lives of saints that they are constantly awest- <laughs> sort of living in awe, you know, and, um, and, 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 and overcome by the beauty of a piece of music or by a flower or whatever it might be. So I think joy is certainly one. I think as well, um, there's a kind of freedom. I think that, I don't know, I just, I did, when we live a humble life, we, the, the expectations we have of ourselves are a little bit lower in a good way. You know, that we don't have this constant need to prove ourselves, to sort of earn everything that we receive from others, you know, looking for attention, you know, growing all these achievements. And there's this, there's something of just kind of like letting go and, and, and receiving from the Lord and, and, and living in a humble way as a child of God, which gives a tremendous freedom of heart. You know, it gives a great perspective, uh-huh. sort of supernatural outlook. And, and then I guess flowing from both of those, really, I think humility is, is indispensable for holiness, right? It's just, it's mm-hmm. one of the... It's one of the, I mean, you read, again, lives of saints, saints are so different, you know, different walks of life, different temperaments, different everything. But I, I challenge anyone listening to find the life of a saint who was proud, right? It's just, you, it's just mm-hmm. not possible, right? Humility is there in every single instance. And so, and I think it's because 
Christ himself lived the life of a servant. He was the one who washed the feet of the disciples and showed us how to live a humble life. And if we don't do that, we're not, we're not living like him. Right? Yeah. And so I think humility is kind of indispensable for, for holiness. Right. Okay. Very good. I like that. So going back to the, the top, when we were defining humility, when you define humility for us as a truthful and well-ordered view of ourselves, Father, what are some ways that we can grow in that? Some Maybe just some practical things that we can either take to prayer or that we can recognize about uh, situations in everyday life that will help us to get that truthful and well-ordered view of ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think the daily, you know, the kind of the classic Christian, uh, staple of the of the diet which is which is the examination of conscience right we have to know ourselves and and to do that we have to know ourselves on a day daily basis which is not just like like ticking off our sins right i mean that's part of it of course but it's also seeing where we responded to god's grace you know and living in gratitude as we were talking about earlier and generosity as you said so like having that true estimation of ourselves i think is dependent upon a good examination if if possible every day um i think a big part of humility is not so much thinking badly at our, of ourselves, as, as we've said, but really trying to think less of ourselves, right? And just sort of thinking more about others, like asking ourselves, how much of my day did I spend just kind of dwelling on myself, my needs, my preferences, and how much did I worry about others and think about others and, you know, be interested in others? I think that's a great sign and a w- great way to grow in humility. Mm. Um, and yeah, I do think you know, trying to have our, our faults, you know, our faults can be a great place because we all have faults. We all have ways that we need to grow our own sinfulness, um, but also just our limitations. And those are all opportunities, as we were saying a moment ago, to grow uh, in humility. And mm-hmm. one other thing, and I would just say, I think humility and char- charity is sometimes like the back door, like the indirect way to grow in humility. The more that we, it's kind of like what I was saying about thinking about others, but also when we live for others and we live a life of charity and it's why I think a mother or a father, you know, really giving themselves to their vocation is often, without even knowing it, growing deeply in humility because they just spend so much of their day, you know, living for their children and doing things for their children and um, even being at work, you know, to provide food for the children. So there's a way of like growing and thinking in this life of charity that as we do that and we grow and as charity becomes more and more sort of infused in our actions, I think you know, pride just gets like sort of, can, can be sort of like pushed out, right? And so, uh-huh. so I think living, living in charity is also a beautiful way to grow in humility. I really like that. That's an excellent suggestion, Father. Father Carter Griffin is our spiritual director today as we're talking about growing in humility and just left us with some practical tips there on, on things to do that. And thinking of examination of a daily examination of conscience, Father, and specifically as you were to kind of outlining, thinking of ourselves less, it was just uh, the the mental image that popped into my head at that point was you know how we get the little screen time uh, evaluators maybe maybe mm. we could have something maybe an examination of conscience can look something like that on a daily basis of you know kind of instead of screen time self time how much time did I spend thinking about myself today. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah, and see if it goes down week by week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, there's, there's ho- here's hoping anyway. Right. <laughs> and one of the things, Father, just in our last minute or so before uh, we ask for your blessing here, um, I, you talked about freedom being a good, uh, being one of the ways in which uh, a life lived humbly can open up this realm of freedom. I think one of the ways that I've seen that happen in my own life is um, in in my view of time, that there's a humble way of viewing time and saying that, you know what, if this situation comes and it just seems like, yeah, I don't have time or um, I'm, I don't know how this is going to get done, then there's there's maybe this humble way of saying, yeah, well, you know, I'm not the master of time, but I know who is. Something like that. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And and we, we live in a time where we can do so much more per minute, so to speak, with our right. tools of productivity and everything. And it, again, it's another way that the age in which we live happens to foster, if we're not careful, a lot of kind of a pridefulness. And, and being able to just acknowledge that, and, and not only that we can't get it done because we just have squeezed out every last second we can, right. but even like consciously putting in, you know, more time to pray, more time to spend with friends, more time to just be, that in itself is an act of humility, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, it's kind of it seems like there's a good connection between humility, as we've defined it here, and and release. I mean, releasing of yeah. control, releasing of uh, just our own. Well, I mean, we're hopefully going with our blessed mother in undoing the pride of our first parents, right? And saying, yeah, I am gonna, I am not the Lord, but I am His servant or His handmaid. So let it be done to me according to His will and His word. Yeah, I have a friend who has on his mirror that looks at every morning and says, God is God and you are not. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, Father. Hey, thank you for the great direction you've given us today, Father, on the program. May we have a blessing from you before we let you go. Sure, it's always a joy, Patrick. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and all of your listeners and their families and loved ones today, especially as we approach the joys of Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Carter Griffin has been our spiritual director today in our conversation about humility. As always, if you or would like to re-listen or if you know somebody who, yeah, this might be a good early Christmas gift for them, head over to relevantradio.com slash inner life where you can find all of our past shows and share them with others. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about dealing with the loss of a loved one, which is important, especially around this time of the year with our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley. Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant, Father Mark Malezova. Until next time, grace and peace.